Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. Hey guys, this is Dr. Rob, and I am so pleased to bring you some content that I think will be really useful for you today. I was privileged enough to, as I often am, asked to go into the broadcast media and talk about some issues that we deal with. In this case, it was porn addiction, and I was asked to be on The Doctors. Now, there are a lot of shows on TV that I have respect for and a lot that I don't, and I won't go give you those now, but I will say to you that I really do respect The Doctors. I think that they bring a level-headed sense of just understanding the issues and how they affect people and what's going on. So when The Doctors show called me and they wanted to do a show on porn addiction or compulsive porn use, I thought, this is a place that I want to go. This is a place where I think I can make a difference and actually help. And I got in touch with my friend Alexander Rhodes, who founded the website NoFap which is a website that helps young people deal with problems with porn addiction and compulsive porn use. And I was very fortunate that uh, Alexander decided to go on the show with me. So for your listening pleasure today, you're going to hear excerpts from and a little bit about the show from The Doctors that was done in uh, 2020, early 2020. I know you're going to enjoy this. I know you're going to get something from it. And I wanted to make sure that you heard it right from the horse's mouth. So without further ado, here is Dr. Weiss and Alexander Rhodes and the doctors. Over a dozen states are calling this danger a public health crisis, not the opioid epidemic or our country's issues with obesity, but instead it's this issue. Arizona has officially declared pornography a public health crisis, and it's not alone. 14 other states have passed similar measures saying porn is addictive and linked to violence against women and the hypersexualization of teens. These states aren't banning porn, but are aiming to raise awareness about its public health threat. But is porn really a health crisis on the same level as the opioid or obesity epidemic? Is porn a health crisis? Is porn addiction real? Joining us now is clinical sexologist, Dr. Robert Weiss. Dr. Weiss, thanks for being here. You say porn addiction, although controversial, is very real. Well, absolutely, porn addiction exists. Uh, It falls under a larger category of issues like sexual addiction or compulsive sexual behavior. And I've been treating this stuff for decades. I've written a book. In fact, I wrote Sex Addiction 101. Now I'm writing Porn Addiction 101, and I feel like I'm revisiting old issues in a digital age. And 
Dr. Judy, you obviously deal with these issues a lot in your clinical practice. What are your thoughts when we say porn addiction is real? Well, what we know is that the research is still somewhat in its infancy. So we know that there are people who struggle with some of the symptoms, but does that really constitute a clinical condition that's diagnosable? And that's where we're having challenges in our research. We don't have robust research that shows that it's like an addiction process in a physiological fashion. It's not strong enough. So things like developing tolerance and withdrawal, that's sometimes what we discuss as what constitutes an addiction. We do have that for other process addictions though, like gambling disorder. And so this is a reason why Porn addiction or internet or sexual addiction is not yet in the DSM. It's not even in the section for conditions for further study So you're yet. speaking about addiction from the perspective of, is this a pathologic addiction? And for people who don't understand when we talk about DSM, you're talking about an official diagnosis, whereas mm -hmm. a medical provider, you could say this, you know, this is an official diagnosis that I can make that is backed up in the literature. Dr. Weiss, back to you. I, I'm assuming that you two disagree a little bit on this. Well, yeah, I mean, um, a woman named Dr. Valerie Voon at Oxford looked at the brains of people who said they were porn addicted and people who said they just enjoyed porn. And you can absolutely see the differences in the way their brains light up. The people who have a porn addiction are struggling with decision-making and discomfort, and they're just in a whole different place. I mean, we can see it in the brain. And here's part of the problem with that. I am very aware of Dr. Voon's research, and I'm so glad that there's more research in this area because we need it. That's how we can move from a place of infancy to robust research. But here's the issue with Dr. Voon's research, and she actually says it herself. There are limitations. There are only 19 subjects, and they were self-identified as having a porn addiction. And at the time, there was no criteria, no set criteria for how to measure, again, because we don't have the diagnosis, what compulsive sexual behavior is. And at the same time, there was a very small sample size, very small age range restriction. It's not a causality study because it's cross-sectional. And the methodology was only applied in a very specific brain region rather than looking at the whole brain. And so there's a lot of different ways to interpret the data that we have. And we have a few other studies like this that are small samples, again, with just heterosexual males that are on the younger side, usually between the ages of 20 to 30. We just need to know more before we can definitively say this, because what if it's coming from other things? Like this is a symptom of an underlying thing like clinical depression or anxiety, and that's how they're coping. What if it's actually related to well, a paraphilia like pedophilia? But you, can, but you can say that about so many compulsive behaviors, whether you're addicted to gambling, you mm -hmm. just have to place a bet, a wager on something, or shopping addiction right. or gaming addiction i mean we're, drug we're, or alcohol addiction where people have a uh, you know they have a mental health problem and they turn to these yes addictions as therapy and what i'm trying to get a handle on because i mm -hmm. personally i look at it and i think wow pornography is everywhere now in the digital yes. age they're free and it's everywhere it's everywhere and so to me it seems like we are in the age where it's ripe for an addiction, and, and I don't, I'm not saying pathologically, but I can yeah. easily see how someone could become addicted to it because it's everywhere. And so I wanna, I just wanna talk a little bit about pathology versus just maybe I have a problem with, right. with pornography. So let's, let's dig deeper in, into that because you are clearly very passionate in saying, this should be a DSM diagnosis. This should be something I, I could 
clinically diagnose someone with and have the resources to help treat it? Well, we thought sexual addictions was a joke forever, and now we have an international diagnosis. The World Health Organization in September 2018 said compulsive sexual behavior is an international problem. It maybe have something to do with lowering birth rates and a lot of intimacy and relationship problems, sexual problems. This is just a subcategory of that. We're headed toward that. And I want to say also that if the if drug addictions and substance abuse were the addictions of the 20th century, and we can put the opioid addiction kind of in the 20th century, gambling, gaming, porn, all, spending, all the online behaviors that these young folks are starting out with at 10, those are the addictions of the 21st. And Dr. Weiss, I don't think that any of us are arguing here that porn use, excessive porn use, is an issue that we need to talk about. But when you reference compulsive sexual behavior disorder in the ICD-11, it actually doesn't fit under the category of addiction disorders. It fits under compulsive awesome. behaviors. So it also, again, depends on how you're conceptualizing the problem. Is this an addiction or is it something that's more on the compulsive side, something that's more akin to anxiety-related things? And, and, and one other thing I wanted to point out, too, is that not only are we a little bit concerned about over-diagnosing and over-pathologizing, which is sort of my point here, there's also the issue that sometimes people use it to escape criminal responsibility. Like if they get in trouble because of actually a paraphilia, like let's say pedophilia, they end up saying, no, it's because I have a sex addiction, they escape prison time and they do something else instead. And in relationships when people use it and say, that's why I cheated on you 20 times, when maybe there's something else going on that's not related and that, to a sex that, addiction. I will acknowledge that concerns me but back to whether or not it's a true addiction or not, yeah. if someone is addicted to alcohol and they get in an accident, you can't say, well, I'm addicted to alcohol, that's why I got in an accident yeah. and get out of the potential criminal charges. But I, I confess I agree with, with Judy on this one because I, I do think we live in a society where once anyone is caught doing anything bad, they just say, I, I, could, I can't help it, Yeah, you know? Honey, I, I'm, I have a, a porn addiction, or I have a gambling addiction, or I have a shopping addiction. And so the 21st century is also a century of excuses. So how do you tease out if someone yeah. has a real problem? Because I don't think anyone is going to disagree that there are individuals who have a real problem. Yeah. Semantics aside, mm -hmm. there are a lot of people, especially young people, who have a problem. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to the question, can you control your porn or is the porn controlling you? Like, right. like it's, it's so part of your life that you can't stop it. Well, and the impact that it's having on your life, right? And I know that Dr. Wise has worked with a lot of people where, you know, they'll say, my relationships have been damaged. I'm not going to work, you know? And that's the kind of thing where we say, yes, this is a clinical issue to address, but where is that clinical issue coming from? Is it underlying depression and anxiety? Is it some other kind of untreated problem? And we need to get to the root of those problems and treat those before people run around taking these online quizzes saying, yes, I'm a sex addict. I, you know, I got to say, I, I, I strongly disagree with that because I've been working with addiction for 25 years and every addict has an underlying issue. They all have trauma, they all have depression, they all have anxiety, they all have social and relationship issues. That is what it is to be an addict. But you still have to address the behavior first because you can't just address trauma or depression or that's fine, but the person will still do the behavior. But Dr. You, Weiss, in the ICD-11, the compulsive sexual behavior disorder has exclusionary criteria. And one of them is to exclude things like paraphilias, like pedophilia, yes. like frauderism, like exhibition. 
exhibitionism. And so I know what you're saying, but this is what I mean. When somebody's actual underlying issue is really what trumps the issue, and that symptom is the sex addiction or the porn addiction, we need to make sure that we get to the root of the problem as a basis instead of them running around saying, I'm a porn addict and that's why I do all of the things and that I do. And it seems to me, and, and I completely agree with both of you here, if, if that is something I can say, because your concern is so valid to me. You know, you don't want people running around yeah. doing bad things and saying, I, I can't help it, I can't help it. And so let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I, I wanna talk with someone who says that he identifies as a porn addict. Talk about, you, you might be watching right now wondering, do I have a problem with this or not? We're gonna delve further into that on the other side of the break. Coming up first got hold of internet porn around the age of 11 or 12. It went from an innocent curiosity about the female form to an out of control compulsion really quick. We were talking about if an addiction to porn is real. Discussing this with us is clinical sexologist Dr. Robert Weiss and joining us now is the founder of a community-based porn addiction recovery site, Alex Rhodes. Alex, thank you for being here. You heard us talking in the first segment about different viewpoints on is it an addiction? Is it, you know, how real is it? I want you to talk a little bit about porn and how you say it destroyed your life. Sure, so internet porn, I first got a hold of it around the age of 11 or 12. I'm in that first generation of kids who grew up having, you know, going through puberty and having access to high-speed digital porn online. And that's totally different mm -hmm. from what our grandparents had with the Playboys and stuff. But digital porn, it's available anytime, anywhere, unlimited amounts. You could pirate it or get it for free. And, and it went from like an innocent curiosity about the, one, the, the female form to an out-of-control compulsion really quick. And so when I was 13 or 14 years old, I think around 14, I actually injured myself going at it so, so vigorously, I guess. So, yeah, kind of embarrassing. Gr great thing to go on but TV sad. to talk about. Sad. Well, yeah, so it's, you imagine you're running in your house and there's carpet and you just skid on your knees on the ground. You could actually do that to your genitals too if you use porn too much. Mm -hmm. So I made a vow, I'm, I'm not gonna do this for 24 to 48 hours to allow my injuries to heal. And it had nothing to do with religious shame. I didn't really grow up religious. It, I had no moral issues with pornography. I still wouldn't consider myself to be anti-porn. Mm -hmm. I simply realized at that time I couldn't even not do it for a day yeah. to allow my injuries to heal. I realized at that point it was out of control. Can I ask you, when did you get to a place where you were able to recover, so to speak? So my story really was heavily rooted in porn. And, and for me, it was over 10 hours a day. I tried to quit dozens of times, hundreds of times. And really what happened was, is whenever I was old enough to enter into relationships and start trying to engage in sexual activity, I realized that I essentially conditioned my brain to prefer pixels over, you know, people and partners. So when I went to go and start engaging in sexual relationships, I realized I wasn't able to maintain arousal because my brain was like, what is this, a person? You're, you're essentially depersonalizing the person in front of you and imagining porn in your head to actually maintain arousal. Mm -hmm. So it really like not only impacted my grades and my life and like everything else, but it also impacted my relationships. 
And when I was 21, I created a website to help people recover. It's essentially just a forum where addicts, you know, whatever you want to call them, congregate together and encourage each other to abstain from porn and try to recover. And yeah. Dr. Judy, this is where I really agree with you. We don't know enough about these young men and women. Why would people at the peak of their sexual prime go online thousands, tens of thousands of them, right, choosing to avoid sex? I mean, that, that's counterintuitive. I mean, and I get that some of them maybe have religious issues, moral issues, some of them may have trauma, but some of them just feel like they're really stuck. And here's something I want you to think about. Porn is a super stimulus like sugar, it, you know, refined sugar doesn't occur in nature, porn doesn't occur in nature. So when we refine an, a pleasure and make it so intense, some people are going to really struggle with it. It's not looking at images of women or men, it's thousands, hundreds, hours upon hours. And this is really ruining some of the lives of our young people. And Dr. Weiss and Alex, I mean, I really, think that we should talk about the fact that, Alex, you were exposed at such a young age, and that is really detrimental because you have a very underdeveloped prefrontal cortex at that age. It doesn't get fully developed until your 20s. And so it's harder to make decisions. It's harder to control your impulses. So even though you had that great idea, I'm going to stop this for 24 to 48 hours to allow my genitals to heal, you couldn't actually implement it. And the more that you're exposed to porn, the more it spikes your dopamine system. It can mess it completely up. It messes up your stress response. And, and, and at that age, you're so curious. Yeah. You, you want to learn mm -hmm. about sex. I yeah. mean, that's the natural Makes trend. Sense. Yeah, trend at that age to discover your sexuality. Well, yeah. if you're discovering it through porn, yeah. then, then porn is going to be your way of, of Can being, I ask a, a question? Your sexuality. And it's right. to the doctors here as well as you, Alex. So you mentioned injuring yourself, yeah. and, and there could be porn addiction, whatever the terminology is, mm -hmm. to viewing it, right? But then when you're getting to the point where you couldn't even allow yourself to heal from it, in your forum, I'm curious, is it a, a mix of both? Um, and Dr. Weiss, in your practice, is it a mix of both where they're, they're, you're so addicted to watching it that maybe it affects your sexual performance versus you're so addicted to watching it and self-pleasuring that you're injured all the time and, and you're physically not able to you know, the folks that I work with are very isolated. I think that porn addiction among the sexual issues are extremely shameful because you have young people who are, you know, everybody wants to say, you know, how well they're doing with relationships and dating and they're stuck in the room by themselves, isolated, doing nothing, not relating to anyone, not connecting at all. And they have so much shame yeah. from simply that, sitting in the dark for hours and hours, plus they're missing out on key issues of development, like being on teams and dating. And by the time they're 23, they've just looked at porn and gamed and that's about it. They don't, you know, going on a date for one of these guys, very, very challenging. Let's take a break, but one of the most important elements to this, and I'll share a story when I was younger. I had a, my best friend and I had a little tin box and we had a, a like a couple of Playboys in it. It was under a rock and it took a lot of effort mm -hmm. to go look at it. You know, nowadays, if your kids have a cell phone, they have access to porn. Yep. Yep. And they're looking at it. And they're looking yep. at it, it is so very accessible. I wanna talk about that and more when we come back. Yeah. Coming up. If kids are watching porn before they have their first kiss, should the porn talk be the new birds and the bees talk? If kids are watching porn before they have their first kiss or go on their first date, should the porn talk be the new birds and the bees talk? Maybe, right? Yes. It's at least worth discussing this because 
Alex, you started mm. viewing porn at such a young age. Yeah. And I want to ask you, would a conversation have helped? Yeah, so everybody watching this needs, like who has children, needs to talk to their kids about porn. I think that we need to discuss it. I think we need to warn children and prevent children's access to it. Yeah. And I think we need to raise awareness so that people can make an educated decision about if they want to use porn and if they do, how much they want to use and how they utilize it. Alex, your experience is actually not that atypical. A lot of patients I work with are saying, yeah, I started looking at porn with my friends in the playground when I was nine or 10, you know? And so I think that's part of the conversation you have to have is early conversation, but also the parents have to come at it with a place where they're not shaming them, you know? Just ask them if they've seen it. Oh. Ask, let me, let let them me know say that something this about is, that. that is what, actually, I'm available. so glad you brought that up. Let me just say this. If any parent out there goes into their kid's room and finds porn on the computer or whatever device it is, here's my best advice, what you should do right away, nothing. Mm -hmm. Take some time to tolerate your feelings. Mm -hmm. Go talk to your pastor, a therapist, your friends, so that when you talk to your kids about it, however you want to talk to them about it, you're not freaked out. Right, because right. this is your child's sexuality. Whether you agree with what they're looking, you want them to look at it, you don't. When you come with them with, you know, this is really, and you shame them, yeah. it causes them to hide parts of themselves that you don't want them hiding. Mm -hmm. But have the conversation, conduct these issues in your home however you want, but don't shame your kids. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll be honest with you, Dr. Judy, the more I'm hearing, I tend to think this is an addiction because it's like alcohol, right? I don't think red wine is bad, whiskey is bad, or right. beer is bad. I like all three of those. Mm -hmm. But if I spent 10 hours a day, right. like Alex did, drinking them, that then I would have a problem, right. I would have an alcohol addiction. Mm -hmm. The same thing with porn. If you if you watch something and it's considered pornography, as long as you do it the right way, well, it shouldn't affect your life. But if you're doing it 10 hours a day, it I mean, it feels to me very similar. And again, I'm not for anyone saying, well, I'm a porn addict. It's why I, I treat people poorly and I, I've engaged in this, these bad behaviors. But it, I mean, to me, it feels like there should come a point in time where we're willing to acknowledge that if you're doing it 10 hours a day. I mean, I don't, that's, yeah. that's more than a, to and me, it feels like more than a compulsion. Right. And, and this is why it's great that we are getting more and more research because mm -hmm. that's what's going to move us towards, is this a diagnosis? And what is that diagnosis? What does that constitute? Okay. And is it a physiological addiction or is it more like a process behavioral addiction that might be linked to anxiety? Before we end this conversation, this may be the most important piece. Mm -hmm. Alex, you found help. You started an online yeah. forum, uh, Dr. Judy, Dr. Weiss. What should someone do watching right now? Whether you're a parent of someone you're worried may have a problem with porn or you yourself has a problem. Well, I think we have to start from a place of letting people know that they shouldn't blame themselves. You know, again, there's a very big shame factor when mm -hmm. we talk about something that has this moral compass attached to it. Mm -hmm. So again, it's not your fault, okay? We're gonna work this out. It's an issue. And if you can't control it yourself, like Alex, if you try to apply those techniques and man, why can't I do it? It's not your fault. Let's take the shame away. And then you gotta go to a trained professional. You gotta go to but somebody who's an expert. how do I find expert. someone who is adept at this particular type of problem? Because, yeah. you know, that, and that's the part that I think is, is challenging because you, you would love to find someone who deals with, you know, this type of problem yeah. 
or who's well read like yourself. Well, I mean, is it is there is there a? I mean, this is what you do. You're, is, you are experts. But I think the work is hard to find because we don't have a diagnosis. We don't have inform. Therapists have to be trained. Therapists yeah. get trained when we have a diagnosis. So we're looking at an issue that's bubbling under. But I guarantee you, if he went to your average therapist and said, "I've been looking at too much porn," they'd probably tell him, "Look, you're 19. Lots of kids look at porn. Don't feel bad about it." And they wouldn't necessarily see it in the way that he's experienced. So maybe if that's the, your first experience, find someone who is at least going to take. You they need to understand the willing. concept of addiction and compulsion as a behavior. I that, think it's really important that people do their own research when they're looking for therapists. Why wouldn't you interview multiple therapists? So yeah, you can start online. You start with a reputable source like Psychology Today or something that gives you like a roster of different therapists. You call each of them. Maybe you go to a couple different sessions and you ask them direct questions. Have you dealt with people who have this issue? Exactly. What do you think about this issue for me? What would be your tentative treatment plan? And you can assess it from there. Well, Psychology Day has a uh, listing online, you know, depression, anxiety. They say compulsive sexual behavior. You can check that box and find therapists who have that training. Well, we'll have more resources on our website. Great. Alex, thank you for boldly sharing your story yeah. and the work you're doing. Dr. Weiss, thank you. And just a great discussion. Thank you, Dr. Judy. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode where we recap some of the work that I did on The Doctor's television show. You can watch this show on TV or on YouTube. You can look up The Doctors and look up Porn Addiction. You will find most of their shows have been pre-recorded and are available online. Thank you for the opportunity to bring this to you. I hope it was helpful and we will talk again very soon. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our treatment center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best, most useful, short-term effective intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chem sex problems. On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at Rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care. <laughs>